Good morning, Oakwood. I got your attention, didn't it? Hey, I want to welcome you today and those that are, are listening online. Thank you for tuning in today and watching with us. We are in part two of our little mini-series called Bulletproof Faith that we started last week. And we learned that biblical faith, real faith, is absolute confidence in what God says and what God does. Scripture we use, Hebrews 11.1 1, said, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now I want to add another scripture to that today. Romans 10.17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So God is not only capable, but he is faithful in fulfilling all the promises that he's made to us. What does it take to develop a bulletproof faith? I believe all of us, if we're honest, we want that type of faith. But we may not want to go through what it's going to require to develop that type of bulletproof faith. I want to not sound like bragging, but maybe I am going to brag, okay? I've really got a nice, pretty green lawn. It's really nice. I haven't won the lawn of the week yet or anything like that, but it's a nice, pretty green lawn. But it wasn't always like that. When we moved into that house a little over seven years ago, the, the lawn really was not in very good shape. But I noticed the man across the street and to my right had a beautiful yard. His name was Tom Sargent. And I got acquainted with Tom. I, I went over and I introduced myself. I said, I love your yard and your grass. I want to have a lawn like that. He goes, well, everybody does, but nobody wants to put out the effort that it requires. I said, well, I think I want to try. So Tom taught me everything I know about fescue grass. He helped me fix my sprinklers. He taught me to overseed twice a year, when to fertilize, how much to fertilize, what to put down, what not to. And now my yard is pretty good. In fact, it'll rival his. And people come by all the time and say, man, I wish I had grass like this. No, you don't. If you want this type of grass like this, it, it takes some effort. It's not just going to happen. It means you fertilize, you water. Right now I'm mowing about three times a week so it doesn't cut off too much so it doesn't look like it's scalped or anything. It's a commitment. It just doesn't happen. We have to remember that Real faith doesn't develop in the calm waters. We talked last week about the underground church and how many of our brothers and sisters around the world are being persecuted. I got an email from the Voice of the Martyrs this week. It said attacks by local Muslims in the eastern part of Central African Republic took a majority of the Christian villages by surprise. Many Christians fled in the middle of the night without taking time to even put on shoes or change out of their night clothes. As the sound of gunfire and the glow of burning homes grew closer, Christian villagers ran for their lives. Jeanette, one of those villagers, said, The guns started firing a lot. We started running and running into the, to the bush right away in the night, running as fast as we could. And when the smoke had cleared and the bullets had stopped, 33,000 Christians had been displaced in the makeshift camps, unable to return to their homes and being ministered to by the voice of the martyrs. Friends, I want to tell you, that's brothers and sisters who have had their faith tested 
by actual bullets. Apostle Paul said, 2 Timothy 3.12, In fact, everyone who wants wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. You understand that? That we will go through that. Well, today I hope that I can give you some biblical principles to develop a faith that is bulletproof. And I think actually today we're dealing with two different kinds of pandemics. One, we've got the coronavirus, the actual physical health pandemic. But then I think we also have a spiritual pandemic, a spiritual disease that's going on. So while I can't help you from getting the virus, I can offer some help from having your world turned upside down by the the events that happen and shake our, our faith. If you have a faith that does not work in the storms of life, it's a worthless faith, okay? I'm just going to be honest. If your faith doesn't work through the times of crisis, it's a worthless faith. Past couple of weeks, I don't know if you've seen the, the news while we've been kind of quietly fighting the coronavirus in some of the southern parts of the state, Alabama and, and Mississippi, they have been dealing with tornadoes. And literally, right in the midst of fighting the coronavirus, they've had their homes destroyed. You know, pictures that you've seen on TV that the tornadoes have come through there and just literally ripped the home, swept them right off the foundation. Scattered for miles and miles. And maybe you feel right now like your life has been ripped up. And the pieces of your life are just scattered for miles and miles Maybe you're going through a financial storm. Maybe it's a relational storm. Maybe it's some type of a health storm. So how do we have a bulletproof faith that is anchored through these times of, of storm? You better have your life anchored on something solid. Jesus answered that question in the Sermon on the Mount. And actually, I'm going to use two different passages kind of our, as our text today. The first one from Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. I'm reading from the New International Version today. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine that does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a terrible crash. Do you remember the little song we used to sing as a little kid? Rains came down, the floods came up. You know, the storms came from everywhere. The rains, just like the other night, came down. The wind blew sideways, and guess what? The flood waters rose from underneath. Storms came from everywhere. And I believe there are three kinds of forces right now trying to destroy your faith. First one is the culture we live in. The culture that we live in in our society is not a faith-friendly uh, culture. In fact, it's doing everything it can to destroy your faith in Jesus Christ and your faith in God. 
It's called humanism. The second are the changes that we live with. Everything in this world that we know is rapidly changing. Just when you think you've got it figured out, parents, how to keep up with your kids as far as the technology, you know, on the cell phones and stuff, they've changed to something else. You know, that was so 15 minutes ago, as they say. That's how fast it's changing. And then the third is the crisis that we live through, such as the coronavirus or the health crisis or whatever that you're dealing with right now, the crisis. And the only way to make it through these storms of life is you better have your life anchored on the rock, something that is unchanging. Friends, I want to tell you something. God is the only thing, and His Word is the only thing that is unchanging. Everything else on this planet is changing faster than we want to accept it, but the truth of God's Word will never change. If it was true a thousand years ago, it's true today, and it's going to be true a thousand years from now if the Lord tarries. It's true. It's not an opinion. It's truth. Hebrews 6, 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. In Psalm 119, verse 81, My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I put my hope in your word. So how do we anchor our life on the solid rock into something that is immovable, something that is going to hold your life steady even through the, the worst storms of this life? I want to give you some principles today that I think that if you apply them will really help anchor your life. So if you're writing these down, the first one I want to give you is to value God's Word as a precious gift. Value God's Word as a precious gift. Isaiah 59, 21 says, My people, I promise to give you my spirit and my word, and these will be my gifts to you and your families forever. Now, I want to take what Isaiah said, and I want to add to it with what James says. Beginning with verse 17, again, reading from the New International Version. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits for all he created. Do you realize that of all the things that God created, we are the most important? You matter to him more than the worms that live in the ground, the horses and the cows and the birds and the fish in the sea. You matter to him more than any of those things. James mentions five specific things in these verses right here that are going to help us anchor to, to the Word of God. If you're writing these down, if you're taking notes, um, write fast because we're going to go real quick. First is God's Word is good. It's a good gift. It's beneficial. A lot of people view God's Word as this is only a rule book. You know, you ask a lot of people, what's the Bible about? Oh, it's just a, a rule book of do's and don'ts. No, it's way more than that. It's beneficial. In fact, this Word will tell you about life, about relationships, about health, about dealing with problems. Anything that you're going through in life, you can find it right here in this book. So it's a good gift. Not something worthless, 
It's, and I want to let you know, it's for our good, not His. God didn't give us His Word for His benefit. It's for us. Second, God's Word is perfect. Kind of like a perfect present? No. You probably got one of those presents that really was a worthless present. A few years ago, I got for my birthday one of these hook tying things. It's some little thing you, you're supposed to push a button and it was battery operated. It was worthless. Did not work at all. Still have it in my garage if anybody wants to try to figure it out. But I've had some of the smartest people try to figure this thing out. But God's word is perfect. It's infallible. You can count on it. It's exactly what you need. And do you know during the times of crisis and the times of, of maybe your deepest, darkest needs, you're going to maybe open up the Bible and bam, all of a sudden it's there. And you think, that's just what I needed to hear today. Third is God's word is true. If God says it, you can trust that it's true. God will never violate his written word. He will never go against what is already written in the scripture. Guarantee it. Number four, that God's word is unchanging. You know, every other gift that you receive in life, every other thing is eventually going to wear out. It's going to break and it's going to be discarded. God's word never changes. It's never going to wear out, never going to break, never going to get to the point where you've just got to discard it. Last one here that James tells us is God's word is life-giving. Do you realize we're the only one of God's creation that he gave his word to? Now, God breathed his breath into all of life. The animals have the breath of God in them. But we are the only ones that God gave his word to and put his spirit inside. The animals of this earth don't have the word of God. They don't have the spirit of God living within them. Now, they have the breath of God, but they do not have the spirit of God living within them. God's word gives us life. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. So I think really the first step in in what we're going to learn today is developing that bulletproof faith is that you value this book as a precious gift from God. Second principle is to humbly accept whatever God says. We're going to skip on over to verse 21 of James chapter 1. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Now, you might have a hard time with it. You may not want to accept it. May not make sense to it, but our response is to humbly accept whatever God says. Often in the Bible, we find that the Word of God is compared to gardening. As James used the example of the seed here. God says, I'm planting seeds in your heart. And our responsibility here, that actually the Greek term for that is hospitality. It means to receive this seed like a stranger. To welcome him in fully. And we are to welcome him into the Word of God. But you know something that I've noticed that often Christians... Brothers and sisters that are going through a crisis or storm in life, 
They're going to say, hey, don't give me, don't quote any scripture to me. I don't want to hear that right now. I already know what the Bible says, so you don't need to, to tell me. Friends, that's not humbly accepting the word of God. When you do your spring gardening, which I think a lot of people have done this year, if you've been out at Lowe's anytime on the weekend, there's a lot of people gardening. But one of the first things you do is you have to get rid of the old debris to make room for the new plants or the new seeds. You've got to clear this clutter out. Got to get rid of that to make room so that the new new life can happen. So before you can accept God's word, you might have to do a bit of house cleaning. During this time of quarantine, I don't know if any of you took advantage of it, maybe cleaned out a closet or garage or organized your shop or, you know, just did that little project that you've always been wanting to declutter and to kind of take care of. Been a great time to do that. But James says, get rid of all the filth and the evil that is present. That evil is sin, and sometimes sin blocks you from hearing the Word of God. People that are involved in a sinful lifestyle, they don't have ears to hear the Word of God because sin has blocked God's Word from, from speaking to them. Sometimes when we have a hard time hearing, it's because we need our ears cleaned out. Now, Everybody has to have their ears cleaned out once in a while. The people that don't like to do that, then they have to go to the doctor and get that. But it, it involves taking a Q-tip, you know, one of them little things, and you stick it in and you rub it around your ear and you pull it out and it's got all that nasty, yucky stuff. It's, it's pretty disgusting, isn't it? Okay? Everybody has that filth that develops in your ear. And it has to be cleaned out or eventually it's going to clog your hearing. You're not going to be able to hear and in fact, that when you look at the Greek words here, it actually, part of that description is talking like the earwax. Get rid of that. So we've got to get rid of the garbage to be able to receive God's word. So that means if there's something in your life such as a sin or a habit or something preventing you from hearing and receiving God's word into your life, you're not going to have bulletproof faith. You've got to get rid of that first. And then you're going to be able to receive the word of God that is planted in your life. Third step to developing this bulletproof faith is, is to study it and to do whatever it says. Verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at it, he himself immediately goes away and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Have you noticed that people can't pass a mirror without looking at it? Now, maybe you got up, you fixed yourself, and then you passed the mirror. You look at yourself all over again, like you forgot what you looked like. Maybe you didn't like what you saw the first time. Probably didn't change, okay? It's still going to be there. They put mirrors in workout rooms, and so when we go lift our weights, we can stand in front of the mirror. Yeah. 
Or maybe we get in front of the mirror like, honey, am I losing weight here? Yeah, how do I look? You know, this. why do we have to look every time we pass a mirror? In these verses, James tells us five things to anchor our lives into God's word. If you want to write these down, five things here that James says to do to anchor our life in God's word. First is listen to the word. That means to actually focus in on the word and not just have background noise. Some people like to, if they're working, they like to have some background noise. Or if they're sleeping, they like to have some type of background noise. You really don't hear what's going on, but it's just there in the background. You don't focus in on it. I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again because I think it perfectly illustrates this point I'm making. I love to listen to to games and sports on, on the radio. You know, back when we used to have live sports and they weren't reruns of old classics, when we actually had sports, I like to listen to sports and games. And often... The game I want to listen to is on AM radio. Now, kids, that's one of those old-fashioned things. You have to push that on your radio to AM, FM, you know, or not the serious or anything. You have to go to AM radio. And at night, sometimes the signal fades and kind of comes in and out. And I like to listen to these games. And now my family hates it, okay? They want to talk or listen to music, watch a movie or something. I want to listen to the ball game. And when the signal starts fading in and out, I turn it up, okay? Shh, I'm trying to listen to the ball game. No talking, okay? Be quiet. I want to hear every word. And maybe I'm only getting every second or third word, you know, and you're trying to figure out and follow along with the game. James says to listen to the word intently as intently as I'm trying to listen to that ball game, to hear every word. Second thing he says is to study the word. To keep looking intently, it means you search, you study, you dig in. You try to find out what God is really trying to say. Reading means I'm reading it. You ever open up the Bible and just read and read and read and you know, like close it up and like, I didn't understand that. In fact, I I really couldn't even tell you what I read, but I I read. I was just kind of going through the motions. Reading means you read it. Studying means you study it. That's why when you study, often you've got a pen or a pencil or a pad of paper. That's why many of you take notes on Sunday morning is so that you can go back and study what you learned on, on Sunday morning through the rest of the week. If you're not doing that, probably you should. Studies show that we forget, listen to this, 90 to 95% of what we hear within 72 hours. 90 to 95% we forget within 72 hours. Now, some of us don't make it 72 hours, do we? Maybe seven minutes or seven hours. That's why we need to do more than just listen. Third thing, James says, to make it a habit. It means you continue to do it. Not just a once and done deal here, okay? It means you continue to do it until it becomes a daily habit. Somewhere people came up with this idea, if you do things for 21 straight days, it'll become a habit. Not true, okay? 
Research shows that it takes between 18 and 274 days to actually develop a habit, something that you're consistent with. Most people think that it averages out about 66 days. That's about two months. If you continue to do that, it, that behavior, whatever you're doing, will become automatic. I think it, you can do that quicker than this if, it, if you do this. It's called first word, last word, okay? Now, I'm not talking about an argument with your spouse or, or someone. You know, we always like to get the first word in, and we like to get the last word in, okay? What I'm talking about is God's word. First word, last word. First thing you do in the morning, before you grab your phone and start scrolling through Facebook or messages or whatever happened in the world, or before you turn on the TV or grab your newspaper, get the Word of God first. Put that into your life. Let God have the first word. And then, and it may mean leaving your Bible on your nightstand. It may mean listening to the Bible app. But let God have the last word every night before you fall asleep. Make it a habit. Begin your day with God's word. End your day with God's word. And I think you'll be amazed how fast your faith will grow. James goes on, he says, to memorize it. Let's say the Bible suddenly became illegal. That all the Bibles were, were snatched away and you had to turn in your Bibles or they were no longer printed. All the Bible apps, all the online versions were suddenly gone. How much scripture would you have available to you if it was just what you have committed to your memory? I know you're thinking, oh, that could never happen. Friends, there have been a lot of things that have happened in the good old United States of America that I would say could never or would never have happened. But in parts of the world, it is illegal. And maybe it could cost you your life to be caught with a Bible. In some parts of the world, some of the brothers and sisters in our faith have got maybe one page of the Scripture. And they value it. Or maybe just a few pages. And they'll share it and pass it between each other. Because if they are caught with it, it could mean their life. So how much scripture would you have available if it suddenly become unavailable? Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You know, memorizing scripture isn't just for children. Like in Sunday school, vacation Bible school. It might be the very best thing, the best the most important thing you could do to encourage your faith and, and to make sure you're built on this firm foundation. And finally, James says to, to, do, to do what it says. God says, just do it. Now, Nike wasn't the inventor of this slogan, just do it. God was. This is way back from James, before we ever invented tennis shoes. We've got to do what it says Stop just listening, stop just reading, stop just reading another devotional book, but start doing what it says. Reading an instruction manual is the first part of any project that you are putting something together, is you read the instruction manual. The next step is to do it. 
You've actually got to start doing it. You put it into practice. Doctors that go through medical school, you know, they go through undergraduate, then they go through medical school, internship, and eventually they have to go and take all this information, all this knowledge they've got about being a doctor, and they've got to put it into practice and actually start seeing patients. They're just doing it. Do you know some of the Christians with the weakest faith that I know of are sometimes some of the Christians that have the most Bible knowledge, but no application. They're not living it. They're not doing it. You want your faith to go to the, to the next level? Do what the Word of God says. For most of us, we don't need more information. We need more application of what we already know. So I want to wrap up this little mini-series, this little two-part series with the same question that I began with last week. Is your faith bulletproof? Is your faith strong enough to get you through the storms of life? What about this current storm that you're going through? Everybody has a some storm that you're going through. It may be a small one, maybe a huge one. But is your faith big enough to get you through that? What are you building your life on? I hope it's the Word of God. Something that's anchored, that won't change, that won't move. Pray with me. Fathers, we've um, opened up the scriptures and we found principles that can change our life, that can help deepen our faith and increase our trust in you. Lord, I pray that we will take our faith to the next level, that we will go from being mediocre believers of average faith to believers of great faith. I pray that we will put our trust into you, in Jesus' name.